Welcome to the Common Sense Idaho Podcast, the podcast where we focus on what makes Idaho great, common sense. I'm your host, Nate. Let's get going with today's episode. Hey there, welcome to the first episode of my new podcast, uh, Common Sense Idaho. Uh, I'm probably going to be talking about politics for the most part and trying to find the common ground because we all know that most Idahoans are very, uh, they have lots of common sense. But unfortunately, it's the extremes that uh, seem to run the show, the the carnival show, as it were. Specifically, it seems like these days, the ones on the right. Now, uh, and, and so I'm going to talk a little bit about things that uh, bug me. But, you know, it's Common Sense Idaho, but, you know, it's my podcast. So who knows what I'm going to talk about? But usually it's going to be about podcasts. My name is Nate. You might find me on X, Twitter, whatever it's called these days under the name of Nate, and uh, my handle, I guess, if that's what you want to call it, is Mexin Norseman. Mexa Norseman. M-E-X-I-N-O-R-S-E-M-A-N. The reason why I call myself Mexin Norseman is because I am a mutt, and the two sides of the family that I identify with the most are, is my Norwegian heritage and my Mexican heritage. Those two, it's my, my maternal grandparents that married each other, so you had this really large... Very pasty white Norwegian uh, who married a, you know, nice little short Mexican woman. And uh, so that's why I call myself Mexi, Mexi Norseman. Don't know my dad's side at all, so I don't really, uh, not really able to identify with that side much. But that would be mostly Scottish and mostly English. So I, I figured I'd start off this episode with talking just a little bit about where I've come from and what I used to think and what I think now. And maybe that'll help you understand <clears throat> who I am just a little bit more. Um, I've been called everything uh, on Twitter from a Muslim troll to uh, a libtard to uh, somebody who's weak. Uh, just today I was called weak. Um, somebody who's a mama's boy and likes to go out on dates and with his mama and live with his mama. Um, you know, the, just all kinds of... Um, Different uh, types of uh, things like that, I guess. I guess because I don't go into extreme right-wing politics, that somehow makes me a leftist and a libtard. And I don't really consider myself uh, a leftist. I mean, I guess maybe these days I might lean more left than I do right. So maybe center left would be the best way to describe it, which I honestly feel that most Idahoans are probably in the center somewhere. They may lean right or they may lean left, but they're mostly in the center. There's actually very few, in my opinion, that are probably extreme left or extreme right. Most Idahoans you're going to come across are very, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're very level-headed people. They're center, usually. Center left, center right, maybe. Lean more towards one side or the other. Maybe they lean on the one side and one thing, and they lean on the other side and some other issue, but they're center. And that's why Idaho has been great over the years. And that's why I think Idaho will continue to be great. So uh, where does that leave me? Well, let me just tell you again, just a little bit about myself. I was born in Montana, um, but we moved over to Idaho Falls when I was very young, probably about a year and a half to two years old after my mom and dad got divorced, was raised in Idaho Falls my entire life. And uh, from a single-parent household, my mom never remarried, so it was very tight, very tough. We lived in some of the poorest neighborhoods in town and some of the poorest housing in town. Um, you know, there was 
grand, you know, there was murders and there was drug dealings and people stealing things. And, and I'm not making any of this up. I mean, I, I was, uh, uh, there was a murder that happened right upstairs in the apartment house that I lived in. Um, I knew Angie Dodge personally. Um, if you guys don't know who Angie Dodge is, look up her case. I knew Angie Dodge personally before she was, um, before she was killed and murdered, brutally murdered. And uh, that happened two blocks away from my house on on uh, J Street was the street in Idaho Falls. So I grew up in the shadow of the Mormon temple there in Idaho Falls. Went to uh, Skyline High School, gradu- graduated from Skyline High School back in the early 90s. And um, for the most part, I didn't really follow politics when I was a kid. I was always interested in history. But I didn't really follow politics. But I had a buddy of mine who was very, very Republican. In fact, his dad had like, you know, pins from the from the uh, presidential um, race where it was Barry Goldwater versus John F. Kennedy. And it said something like Goldwater for president, Kennedy for king or something like that. Um, so he had a heavy influence in me, but I, I still didn't really, you know, become too heavy, uh, you know, hardcore conservative. Um until maybe later on, um, I was a, uh, I became a Christian when I was a teenager. So, um, honestly, luckily I wasn't raised in the church or anything like that, but I, I was really what you would probably consider a Jesus freak. One of those weird people that always talked about God all the time and had Christian bumper stickers on their car. And trust me, I'm not, I'm not there now. I still am a firm believer in Jesus Christ. I am a firm believer and follower in who I feel Jesus is. Um, but I've had a lot of um, deconstructing, for lack of a better word, that has happened to me over the course of years because of many different reasons. Uh, the biggest one is, uh, you know, I just hurt in the church. And uh, not only that, but just realizing that most people don't follow Jesus. They follow the law and they follow what they think Jesus is. And who that is is who they have people tell them it is which means he's heavily involved in politics and he's creating rules that and laws that honestly hurt people, but they don't see it that way. But anyways, hanging around my friend, I, you know, probably became more conservative and I spent a lot of my young adult years listening to people like uh, Rush Limbaugh and Glenn Beck and being heavily influenced by their thought process and the things that they said and not seeing past the illusion, I guess you could say, of, of what they were saying. And frankly, some of the lies that specifically Rush Limbaugh would be spouting out. And um, until, you know, we started to push more closer to 2008. And I was on the bandwagon, man. I thought the world was going to hell in a handbasket because Obama was going to be elected president. And I thought that was it. Jesus was coming back soon. The devil was in the White House, and this was the end of days. I mean, <laughs> I mean, pretty much. It was it was kind of that deal. And uh, as the course of the time of Obama's presidency went on, I mean, there were plenty of things that I didn't d- agree with President Obama with. But I honestly started to realize this guy is not as bad as people like Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh were saying. This guy definitely was not falling. I d- he definitely wasn't a go- going to go down in history as the worst president ever, as some people say. And so my attitude on things started to change. So, again, he was elected in 2012, and and I didn't vote for him then. I, I voted for Mitt Romney as well in 2012. 
And uh, but I, I still was starting to understand that this guy probably had the best interest of the United States in mind. He wasn't a, uh, he was eloquent, usually, unless you caught him where he was trying to talk off the cuff. And then he said, uh, way too many times. But he was eloquent. And so, you know, I was I, I was OK with him in, in the White House. And like I said, I, there were plenty of things I disagreed with him on, that, but there were plenty of other things that I thought, yeah, I think he's doing a pretty good job. So move along to 2015 and uh, the cast of presidential uh, Republican pre- possible presidential nominees. And the field starts to get narrower and narrower. And this man by the name of Donald Trump, decides to run for president. And I just laughed. I thought, this is a joke. This is not going to happen. Uh, he's going to lose. He's not even going to get the nominee. And then, of course, the infamous tapes dropped that that had him talking about, you know, as Christians, oh, that's just locker room talk. And that all came out. And I thought, there's no way this guy is going to win. There's just no way. And somehow he managed to beat all of that nonsense and become the president of the United States. And really specifically because he had a huge portion of the evangelical Christian community that supported him in this effort. And that's what fried my mind. I mean, I was a young adult in the 90s. You know, my first election that I ever voted in was in 1992 against Bill Clinton. And I spent eight years listening to especially conservative Christians tell me how bad of a president he was and how immoral he was and how he was tarnishing the the White House and, and everything else that went along with the presidency of Bill Clinton. It was it was like, you know, just the what you would expect, really, from conservative Christians. And then, you know, Bush was elected and then eight years of the same thing with Obama and how he was a Muslim and blah, blah, blah. And he was, you know, he was making... You know, he was doing all this stuff that was supposedly against God. And so you listen to all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, it doesn't matter what this man named Donald Trump does. He's forgiven and propped up by evangelical Christians. Oh, that's just locker room talk. Or he, he's Cyrus. If you guys don't know who Cyrus is, King Cyrus is, you got to look it up in the Bible. He's basically this non-Jewish believer who was used by God to advance God's ways. And that's what a lot of these Christians began to look at Trump as, that he would be the savior of the world. And there's literally a worship that goes on with this Donald Trump guy. And it made me sick to my stomach. And I would go to church and I would look around and I would realize that if these people knew and understood what I felt about Donald Trump, I would be ostracized. I would be thrown out basically because, I mean, I can't, you know, I shouldn't touch God's anointed, as they said. It just didn't make any sense to me because I look at Donald Trump and I look at his policies and I look at everything he says, and I am not seeing Jesus at all. So can somebody show me where Jesus is in Donald Trump? Because I don't think he exists. You know, they would say, well, he's just a baby Christian. You got to give him a break. James Dobson from Focus on the Family would come out and say that. Oh, I've spoke to Donald Trump. And yeah, he's just a baby Christian, so you have to give him a chance. Okay, we gave him a four-year chance. And as far as I'm concerned, he never got any better. All Donald Trump is is a megalomaniac megalomaniac narcissist. And all he cares about is himself, and he's going to use anybody to get to where he wants to be. And if the Christians are stupid enough to use him, 
then he's going to use them, right? The Christians aren't stupid either, honestly, because they're getting power. And that's why they like to support Donald Trump, because they have access. And that's frustrating me, because that is not the way of Jesus. And I am so sorry for those of you who've been hurt by the church and who've been hurt by Jesus or this idea of who Jesus is based on what these Christians say, because I'm telling you, and I promise you, it is not the true Jesus. Okay. So in 2016, I did not vote for Donald Trump. I didn't vote for Hillary either. I'll be honest. I did not vote for Hillary. I voted for a third party. In 2020, I ended up voting for the Democratic nominee because I did not want to see that man in office again. And here I am now in 2023, worried and pretty convinced that Mr. Trump is going to be the president again in 2024. Now let's let's move on and focus our eyes onto Idaho politics. What made me get involved in Idaho politics? I wasn't very involved in Idaho politics until Reclaim Idaho got their ballot initiative passed with Medicare. And then I started to see how people within the Idaho government started to act, namely Chad Christensen. And then I started to pay attention to some of these other people. And I started to understand who the Idaho Freedom Foundation was and Brian Smith and Brian Zollinger and, uh, you know, among others who I was like, wow, these guys, they're not Republicans. I mean, they're borderline fascists in, in the way they want things done. They don't want to live and let live. They say they do, but they don't. They want to basically crush anybody who doesn't believe in them. The things that they accuse the left of doing is exactly what they do. And it's scary. So all of a sudden, I started getting involved in politics. I haven't ran for any seats, but I try to support causes that I believe in. I've been very active on X. If you guys know me, you know that. Um, so I've decided, you know what, I'm going to start this politic or this, this podcast and I'm going to speak about things that usually probably pertain to politics, specifically Idaho politics and, you know, whatever else I find interesting, I might throw in a new story here and there. But so that is my goal for this new politics. And I would love to have you guys along for the ride. If you have any questions or comments, uh, please feel to reach out to me. You can DM me on uh, X or you can respond to any messages you have there. Um, just I'd love to hear from you, so go ahead and, um, you know, follow me. If you want to hear more of this podcast, please do so. Please click the follow button so it'll show up on your podcast feed every time you listen to podcasts. It will be soon available probably on every single podcast platform. It's going to start off on Spotify, but you should be able to find it anywhere you find podcasts in the very short future. And it'll try to be at least a weekly podcast. So, again, I look forward to chatting with you guys and having a conversation and and uh, let's bring common sense back to Idaho, guys. I know most of us aren't extremists, but the ones who are are the ones who are running the show. And somehow that has got to change. Thanks guys so much for listening to me this week. We'll see you next time on the Common Sense Idaho podcast. <laughs>